Hey yo, I'm Dano, and this is the Read Aloud Dinner Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping families grow in love together by teaching them how to read aloud as a family. Today, we're going to be talking about the second installment of the Bernstrom Reading Framework. Now, what is the framework? Well, the Bernstrom Reading Framework is simply a plan that helps inspire reading in kids and families. So the second item asks the Read Aloud Dinner participant to set a timer. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we begin on the Bernstrom the second item on the Bernstein Reading Framework, let's kind of roll back a little bit and talk about, like, what is the Bernstein Reading Framework? Well, the Bernstein Reading Framework is just a set of uh, ideas or principles or action steps that will help you read aloud as a family in order to, again, grow in love, but also succeed at life. Giving your child books and giving your child empathy and giving your child reading will really set them up for lasting success in life. That's what we're going to be talking about. So what is this Bernstrom reading framework? Well, you want to, one, schedule a time to read aloud. Now, of course, this is the Read Aloud Dinner podcast. So I, of course, say like dinner is a great time to read. But if, if you want to know more about why I read at dinner, you can check out the first podcast or the one before this. But, you know, my family, we read a lot at dinner, and the kids really enjoy it, and, and, and we enjoy it as a family. It's when I have energy, and so that's, we read a lot at dinner. No matter when you read, it could be at night, in the morning, whenever, set a timer, which is the second item. So set a timer for why, for when you're reading. This is important because... I think, well, I, I, you know, I'm making this this podcast for me, and you're kind of all along for the ride. I struggle as a dad to set aside time for my family. I have work responsibilities, or I, maybe I need to exercise, or I need to sleep, or whatever it is. Like all the responsibilities that we have as parents and and caregivers and and spouses or partners, all these things, just, it, there's a lot on us. And so I think we think, well, there's not enough time, but there is. I challenged us on our last episode, like if you have time to scroll on Instagram or you have time to like watch YouTube, frankly, you could go to your, if you have an iPhone, you can look at your screen time app and you can see where all your time is going. And I did that my wife and I, we kind of have a weekly screen time audit and a competition to see who has the least amount of screen time in the family. So looking at the screen time app, I was encouraged to see that I had time, that I was wasting time in other places. So what I decided to do is like set a timer for 20 minutes. It was actually Jordan Page from, uh, if you can look her up, you know, amazing YouTuber and has lots of wonderful ideas. And Jordan Page came up with this really cool idea where at the end of every night, well, every day they have this thing called King of the Day or Queen of the Day. And the child gets to basically make a bunch of decisions for the day. 
or they you know they get the remote for TV or they get to pick the song that's in the car and this kind of re- revolutionized our our parenting because when we gave our kids like freedom and responsibility and and and, and power essentially we shared the power with our kids it made parenting a lot more fun but one of the things that the the king of the day or queen of the day is they get to do 15 minutes at night with mom and dad and you're like well 15 minutes isn't enough and frankly yeah i mean it it, it honestly isn't but it often turns into a little bit more more than 15 minutes 20 minutes half an hour so when we're doing an activity with our kids we have five of them so at the end of every day, we, you know, mom and dad, we sit down with a kid who is the king of the day and they get to pick the activity. So color picture, paint, uh, maybe do some technology stuff where mom and dad are right there helping them use the technology. I mean, our kids, they, they I mean, we police the iPad, we police the the TV. We, we you know, we're, we're kind of militant in that respect where our kids kind of have zero technology privileges whatsoever so um, sometimes they ask to use technology and and what we appreciate is that they get to use that technology with mom and dad where we get to show them how to use it so it's fun for them but yes yet it's educational but there's other things they do Uh, they read mom reads aloud um, to one of the kids Um, that's her favorite thing is to read aloud and snuggle with daddy and that gave me the idea about setting the timer, bringing this full circle, setting a timer and, and how enjoyable. So sometimes we're reading and it's just like the time just flies and the timer goes off after 15 minutes and the kids are happy. The kids are, they feel fulfilled. Maybe they want more. It, it was just a really special time with mom and dad. But yet, it, you know, so it was like the minimum, the minimum. Would mom and dad love to spend a lot more time with our kids? Yes. And, but doing something was better than nothing. I'm going to say that again. Doing something was better than nothing. So 15 minutes was something and it has grown. You know, that amount of time has grown. And maybe you have a busy day or something, or maybe we're excessively tired. We'll go back to that 15 minutes. But 15 minutes is kind of our base to spend with our kids. The same could be said for reading aloud at dinner. You think that this is going to be a long, long, arduous process. And it might feel like that at first, like running a mile. Like I say, run for 15 minutes. And you're going to think, wow, I can't, I mean, I can't run for 15 minutes. But imagine if you did run for 15 minutes, imagine how healthy you'd be. Uh, Imagine reading for 15, 20 minutes imagine then how healthy your family can be. I think running is an apt analogy because when you first start running, if you're anything like me, I'm out of shape, I'm I'm older, my limbs don't move or joints don't move like they used to. And so if I were to go running, I'd, I'd probably like tear something, be super winded, my sides would ache, and I would run at a very slow pace. But give me about a month to two months, I bet I would really start to, I wouldn't ache as much, I would stretch, I would ease, uh, my running experience would be a lot happier or more enjoyable, I'd run faster, maybe I'd get the right kind of shoes, maybe I had the wrong kind of shoes. So you learn things as you do it. 
And the running is beneficial or the cardio is beneficial because some people would say running's tough on your joints. Uh, so let's say cardio or exercise, you know, that's important. Maybe it's one of those beach body exercises and you're like, please let this be over. And Shanti is just, is just destroying you with his insanity, with his insanity workouts. Those are beneficial for you in your health and your fitness and your heart and all that stuff. And it's wonderful. Reading aloud as a family is, I would say, far more beneficial. It's easier than running. It's easier than cardio. It's easier than a Beachbody Shanti Insanity workout. And the dividends that it yields are astronomical. You know, the compounding interest is just huge for your child and the reading at school, for you and what you learn through reading, through your empathy, all those things. So, so the second episode is really just focusing on setting a timer. I realized that as I was like doing this podcast, I kind of, I'm, I'm missing something is what I'm saying. And so I'm going to rewind and like put on the brakes, er, put on the brakes and just step back and say, who am I? Like, who is this crazy person who is doing this read aloud dinner podcast? Like, is it just some new person on the scene that is just trying to talk and he loves hearing himself? Maybe true, maybe true. But I want to give you my background. Like, who is Dano? Like, who am I? My name is actually Daniel Bernstrom. And, you know, Dano is my nickname. So my name is Daniel, Bern- Daniel Bernstrom. I am a published author. I've published three books at the time of this recording. There are two more books coming out next year. But I write picture books for kids. That is my thing. I have written a book called One Day in the Eucalyptus Eucalyptus Tree, another book called Gator, 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 and the Minnesota Book Award winning Big Papa and the Time Machine. Two of those books were nominated for reading awards, and um, those books are often, I've been told, have been are being used by speech pathologists, speech language pathologists to help kids read and um, kids speak, and by reading specialists. I remember going to a school and a speech, uh, a reading specialist like hugged me and said, thank you for these books. I had no idea that you were a Minnesota author and that you're here. And I use these books all the time. And these books are teaching kids how to read. Now I didn't, and I didn't, when I was writing ever start with the idea of teaching kids how to read or writing a books that had that idea. What I did was I I wrote a book that I enjoyed and the truth is that I was a I was a struggling reader. In fact, I couldn't read. So I went through first kindergarten and first grade and I couldn't read and then I had to repeat first grade again. Then my mother sat me down and did Hooked on Phonics. And it was Hooked on Phonics that changed my life forever. Now, I I think I honest I I, I would be classified as dyslexic. And um, I mixed words around. I didn't have a speech issue and words scrambled. And I would still say, I bet if I were tested today, I might actually test, you know, I 
test as dyslexic. Even with spelling, I'll be spelling things. I will spell things backwards. I read incredibly slowly. Like it is painfully slow how uh, um, how slow I read, and and I've I, I I've come to know myself and love myself. But it was it was it was hooked on phonics that that broke open reading for me. And even though I read like a turtle, I love reading. So that's the person who ended up becoming a children's book author, someone who struggled with English. I hated English. I hated poetry. I mean, like, like there was a high resistance against the English language. It doesn't make sense. It literally is, is one of the most horrific languages in the world. English is. I can say that because I teach English. And so, I mean, I was learning it. It made no sense. Spelling made no sense. My mind works in a very logical sort of way. It just, it just didn't connect. Well, like fast forward, there was this amazing English teacher. Her name was Shelly Beach. And she taught me that English was about communication and that, Engl- that uh, the English language was a means to an end that I could tell stories, which I love telling stories, or I could communicate with people, but I needed the English language to do it. And then suddenly grammar and punctuation started to slowly make sense because I knew why I was using it. And I knew that it was a communication tool to help me tell stories. With that said, my editors often make fun of me because of I use language in interesting ways because my brain doesn't d- doesn't work normal. It just it it's backwards, and so when my brain approaches English, it approaches it in a very backwards sort of way. With that said, I've had to learn how to use English correctly, and uh, I've had to fight to do it. It, ha- it it didn't come easily. It came at great cost and time, but. I've mastered it to a large degree. Fast forward to now, I am an English college instructor at an institution called Minnesota West Community and Technical College, where I get to teach developmental English, so that's like middle school and high school English, to students that struggle with, with reading, students that struggle with English, or students that think, hey, I never thought I could do this. I teach composition I teach composition too. I teach literature classes, children's lit. I have a blast doing it. I feel like I work at the best place in the world. And so that's a little bit, little bit of the background behind me. I don't want to talk too much about me, but that's the person that, that's doing this podcast. Someone, a children's book author, an award-winning children's book author, a children's book author who has been nominated for reading awards, a struggling reader who had to fight to learn the English language from the ground up, a father who is who has two boys that are, have, I think, the same thing I did. I think they're both dyslexic, and they both struggle with English. They do some of the exact same things I did as a child, and I'm teaching them how to read. I remember um, I was teaching my son, Grace, how to read, and 
And I kind of ignored it. All of a sudden, I realized he was having trouble. And then we started sitting down and doing, um, you know, basic reading lessons where I, it was, it was, it was very Spartan. I, I had this background in children's lit. I knew about how to get students to read. I taught a class on children's lit about how, how what to offer students to get them to read. And so uh, I just used that background and pretty soon Grace started to change. Now he's, he wasn't perfect, but his, his, he started to read and words started to make sense. And he started to move up in his reading scores at school and his, and, uh, his teacher noted that in uh, parent-teacher conferences, and she asked uh, my wife, "What's what's what's?" Oh, oh, noted his his improved reading and said, "You know, something's going on." And and my wife said, "Oh, she's been working. With, she, my Grace has been working with his dad on reading." And the teacher said, "Oh, what's his background?" And my wife said, oh, he teaches English at the college. None of this about, you know, he's a children's book writer. He was a struggling reader. He had to repeat first grade twice. You know, he's probably dyslexic, which probably would have been helpful for the teacher. But so that's my background. And, and that's the situation I'm in. I am a father of, a, of two struggling readers. I am a struggling reader myself. I live this stuff every day not only as the father of, of, of readers, but also as a college instructor. Now, I, now I re- just realized I didn't go through the whole framework, so l- let me go through again. Schedule a time to read aloud, number one. Number two, set a timer for at least 20 minutes. Three, read, development, read developmentally appropriate books. So both to inspire a love of reading and to teach literacy, right? So that's what I mean by developmentally appropriate. Four, teach phonics. Five, look up new words as a family. So keep a dictionary on hand and then use a local library. So that's the, the Bernstrom framework. And it could change, you know, as I learn more and more. But I feel like that's a really good starting place. So that's the rationale of the podcast to teach families how to read together. And families, you know, being all kinds of families, not saying, you know, like a guardians or, or foster families. It's, I mean, I mean, all family units that I care about. I want you to sit down to take the time to read as a family. The last podcast, we talked about the importance of sitting down and spending time. And even if you can't do it as an entire family together, then set aside time to read with 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 the child. I don't know. Maybe you're not like me. Maybe you don't have five kids. Maybe you have three. Maybe you have one. But are you setting aside time every day to read to them? Well, what if they're a teenager? Set aside every day to read to them. And uh, what I hope is that they'll start to read to you. So it's important to teach this literacy to not only the child, but to teach it to you as well. Because maybe you have a struggling reader. And I think one of the flaws I see in, especially the current read aloud, um, the current read aloud culture 
that's out there today. One of the current flaws that I see in that culture is that the emphasis for the reading is on the, not the emphasis, okay, the emphasis is on the child, meaning the parent reads to the child, but there isn't an emphasis on the family reading. There isn't an emphasis on passing the book around as a family and different voices reading, even voices that struggle to read. And if you were to spend 20 minutes a day reading with your child, I feel that most reading issues are going to be, will disappear. That if a parent, if a guardian, if a caregiver were to read with a child every day for 20 minutes, literacy would just, uh, not literacy, but the inability to read. Um, like my brain, my brain is just disappearing, but that happens, um, would, uh, would disappear and every child would be able to learn how to read. And that's my, I think that's an important goal. It's an important goal to say, I want to help every child read. And I believe that that can happen when we read together as a family for 20 minutes a day. And setting aside that time, and you could do it, you could do it over Zoom, you could do it over FaceTime. I feel like there's no excuse to read to your child every day or, or most every day or five days a week. And then setting a timer and saying, okay, I'm going to set a timer for 20 minutes. So we, so we read together as a family and um, frankly, honestly, we are reading a chapter of a, we're reading a chapter of a middle grade book and it took 12 minutes. But then like you talk about what's in the book, that's what's the most beautiful thing about reading aloud and setting the timer. Because then like you're kind of forced there. It's like, well, I set the timer. I'm here. I guess I have to do something. That's what we're, that's what we're talking about. Set the timer so that you're forced to be there for that time and then fill up that time with reading or discussion. So you don't have to do reading the entire time, but read the picture book, read the middle grade book, read an article from the New York Times from your phone. I mean, I, I don't advocate for phones at the table. We have a rule in our family where we you know, no phones at the table, so all technology is down. But again, right? You know, it's a rule, but there, you know, it's a you know a guideline, and guidelines are meant to be broke. So if if you need, and maybe you have a tablet or something, and you have a Kindle, if that's the way you read, I'm not going to stop you. So read something aloud at the table, but again, like developmentally appropriate. So not like, hey, I'm going to read Chaucer and, you know, Beowulf and hope the, the kid gets it. No, you're going to, you're going to lose them. But, and, and it's important, right? It's in, 
Like, I'm not saying that, like, don't stress or push someone with their, with their reading ability or their, their English language ability because, you know, talk about, you know, the beauty of Chaucer and the beauty of Old English and Beowulf and the King James and all, all of those types of things, the beauty of the English language, especially Old English. That's really neat. However, when you're just getting started, you're gonna, you're gonna, like, it'd be like trying to run a marathon and when, and your first exercise, and you're like, no, start with something easy so you don't burn out, you don't hurt yourself, you don't destroy this idea. So that's what I mean by set a timer. Set a timer for the 20 minutes, stick with it, don't stop, and you're going to find yourself, you're going to find that it's easy, it's going to become easier, you're going to work through problems, you're going to buy your running shoes or your reading shoes, or maybe you'll find better books at the library. Yeah, so that was kind of like um, the why of set a timer, you know, how to set a timer, set a timer on your cell phone, set a timer, or just look at the clock and maybe you have a digital clock or a or one of those analog spinny clocks. We don't have any of those. I mean, I'm a millennial, so we're like, who has a real analog clock anymore? But set a timer or look at a clock to gauge your time. And then how long does it actually take? Like I said, it could take 10 minutes. It could take 12. But try to hold that time and finish out finish out the 20 minutes and I I can't I mean like I can't promise because someone's gonna like hold me to that but I I really 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 think the bottom of my heart that you're gonna find those 20 minutes to become precious and like I said the dividends or what's gonna happen in and for your family is gonna revolutionize their life in their world, like better school performance, better social behavior, more understanding on your part in a better relationship with you and your chilled child and you and your family. That's what Reading Aloud is going to do. I'm going to wrap up this episode and just encourage you to kind of Head over to danielbernstrom.com. Check out some of the reading materials that we're going to be having um, that are going to be coming up on the website to help teach uh, children how to read. And I'm going to be posting videos too on YouTube about how to do literacy, how to have the children read at the table and not just the parents, and to have reading as a family. So again, I'm Daniel Bernstrom. Head over to Daniel, Daniel, danielbernstrom.com leave a question, a review. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know how I can best serve you. And thank you for listening to the Read Aloud Dinner podcast.